Hey guys, what's happening? Welcome to Action Movie Anatomy. And if you watch this show, you know that we have very specific rules we adhere to when we choose the movies we cover. Today's episode is a very special episode because we have decided to talk about eight of our favorite movies of all time that we wish we could do on the show, but the rules don't quite allow for. So we are going to talk about eight of our all-time favorite movies that we haven't done on the show and we may never do on the show for at least a few minutes per movie. Hang out with us, guys. You're going to just talk a whole bunch of smack about Boogie Nights and awesome movies like that, so we'll see you in a second. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's action movie anatomy. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. I felt like we needed music. Yeah, it's an exciting one. We need, like, the Shaft music or something like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. The X-Men music from the animated series. That was great. That's perfect. I recognized that instantly. Uh, you recognized it almost too quickly. <laughs> You're like, Steven, uh, play this real quick. We got Steven Lemieux in the booth, everybody. That's his EP of uh, Popcorn Talk. Yeah, uh, he's back. He's back in the booth. It's been a while. <laughs> He was with us in the very beginning when we started this show. He was with us long ago. Long, long ago. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, guys, this is Action Movie Anatomy. Uh, if you are listening or watching and you're familiar with this show, you know that we cover action movies on this show. And we are hosted on the Popcorn Talk Network, which is the online broadcast network dedicated to talking movies and all things movie-related. I'm your host, Ben Bateman, joined today by my excellently dressed co-host. Today he has a tie and a tie clip and a jacket and a pocket square. But no pants. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what's up, everybody? Which camera am I looking at? Am I, I don't know. Is it the top or the bottom? Which one is it, Steve-O? I've been lazy-eyeing. Bottom. There we go. Guys, this is so exciting. First of all, I apologize. I left my voice at my fantasy football draft. If mm. you find that, Commissioner, please return it to its rightful owner. <laughs> um, this is so cool. This is, like, one of the most exciting things that we've done on the show for me. And, yeah. and I think what's really important about it being exciting for me is knowing that it's going to be exciting for these guys. Because we did our best of year one. Yeah. And that really only caters to people who that love. love our show. Yeah. As you should. Uh, this, I think, caters to all movie fans. Yeah. So let us know if you guys do like this at AMA Podcast, because I think this is an awesome idea. Yeah, we're going to start, I think, doing some more stuff like this, guys. We're going to sort of mix up the shows. We were talking about things like, we've done 70 episodes now, and uh, there's all these movies that we want to talk about we can't, or we don't feel they fit the rules, because our show, being an action movie show, is very specific. Every yeah. once in a while, I think we're going to kind of mix it up and give you guys, like, for instance, we were talking about, like, the heist show, you know? Take, like, Ocean's Eleven or The Sting. Those are heist movies. We love them. They don't really fit the show, but people who like action movies probably like those movies. Right, so if we did, like, three heist movies in one episode... Something like, like that. You know, like, how cool would that be? So today, guys, <clears throat> it's eight movies that we wish we could cover on AMA, but haven't yet and may never cover. We're going to go into each one of them. We're going to break it down for a few minutes. It's going to be, like, a tiny, mini, just, like, love fest episode sort of thing per thing. And uh, if you guys want to follow along with the conversation, of course, follow along here with us in the chat and uh, tweet at us. You can find me at Ben Bateman Media. Uh, and you can find me at Andrew Guy. And if you want to tweet at the show, at AMA Podcast, you guys have been very vocal recently. It's been yeah. really fun. A lot of you have actually been talking to us and, and, and sharing your thoughts. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, let us know what you think. We're going we're gonna to kick it off today with a little movie we like to call Sunshine. Sunshine. Danny this... Boyle's sci-fi, like, this was like such an underrated movie when it came out. I think this movie is, not only does it have some of the greatest music ever yeah. in a film, but it's just beautiful, and it's Danny Boyle, and everyone is, they're, they're at the top of their game acting. Um, so I pulled a clip here, and this is Adiagio in D, G minor. In D minor. D minor, I believe. And uh, yeah, let's clip this up. Show this up. John Murphy? Is that the, is the yes. artist? Miss Burn. Only dream I ever have. Burn. Every time I shut my eyes. This movie's so sweet. Yeah. And look wow. how beautiful it already is. Just the... This movie came out when uh, Blu-ray was just becoming a thing. Are you um, scared? It's no longer a thing. <laughs> it's not. It, it's gone. My local video store had a giant TV, like a hundred inch or something like that, and they had the Blu-ray of this. It's like the, one of the first <sighs> things they had. Right. And I remember walking in and just hey, staring. It was gorgeous. So why can't we do this on the show? We might be able to do this. This one's close. It's a little slow. It's more of a drama, really more of a drama than it actually is. The worst part of the movie is when the action starts. Yeah, because it doesn't really make much sense. No. This song makes sense. So this is like a weird music video montage of like scenes from the movie with the best songs. Yep. And it's known as Kanita's death because that is the captain of the ship. What do you see, Kanita? What do you see? I mean, 
If you guys haven't seen Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Sunshine. This is like, this This is, I would think, I'm going to look at our list here. This is the number one movie on this list that if you love our show, I think appeals to you. I think so. It just feels like our show... It doesn't have the silly sort of qualities to it that some of our movies do. No. But it has the, like, if you loved the Drive episode, or if you loved Lone Survivor, if you loved uh, The Town, those are the kind of movies that you will love this movie. Yeah. Yeah, and I think... I think that... Yeah, you're right. The tone the, the tone is just 100% correct. And Danny Boyle, he, he, he has this way of making action movies feel... Because 28 Days Later is a movie I think we could do on our show eventually. Maybe for, like, yeah. a Halloween episode. But it doesn't ever feel like an intense drama. I mean, an an awesome action movie. It always feels like an intense drama. Totally. Because the way he shoots and directs it and his story writing. The poster for this movie is really terrifying with Killian Murphy's face from the planet, though. (laughs) You look it up. It really looks like it's a lot more. Yeah. So you fade that out. So, yeah, this is the scene in the movie that I I won't go too far into it. But there's just this incredible... Like, it's just this incredible sequence where Searle, who is played by uh, uh, Cliff Curtis, uh-huh. and who is like, he's like the psychiatrist on board, and he is obsessed with the sun. He just wants to get closer yeah. and closer, and he's always sitting in the observation room, and he's always like lowering the shield so he can get to experience more of it. So his face is always sunburned. Yeah, like, like towards peeling. the end of it, it's like really gnarly and peeling, and, and the sun in this movie has like this... It's like that you, the thing you stare at. Kind of, it's like the ring in Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I mean the song is called Kaneda's Death, so I think that's pretty obvious. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, but it, it's like this incredible scene where uh, Kaneda has has gone out to the surface of the ship to fix the shields, mm-hmm. but he knows that he's risking his life. And it's, it's Kaneda is played by the actor who plays in the Last Samurai. Yeah, it's the guy who plays uh, the brother. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hiroyuki Sonata. He's great. He's yeah. in a sci-fi show called Helix. He's in a bunch of stuff. He's, he's awesome. such a badass. Yeah, he's great. And he he goes out. He's out on the ship. Yeah. And he sends everyone back, and he knows he's probably not going to make it. Yeah. So he's out there, and he can they can feel as the shields are closing because he's fixed them that the sun is rounding the ship and he's going to get peak. hit with yeah. the sun. And Searle, Cliff Curtis, is sitting there and he's like whispering the mic. He's like, "What do you see, Canada?" What do you see? What do you see, Canada? And, and he's yeah. just stuck there. He can't move. And then... Yeah. And he, oh. So when I met Cliff Curtis for Fear the Walking Dead, this was my number one goal was to like do the line for him and get a laugh out of him. And it worked. It was uh, it was glorious. He like he did not see it coming, did not realize the people quoted the line or loved it. So uh, I think it's crazy that uh, Killian Murphy has proven that he can actually be a leading man action star. Yeah. But he's he's the everyman. I mean, like if you watch Twenty Eight Days Later and you watch Sunshine, yeah, there's never moments of where you're like, ah, oh, come on, this guy. Right. You completely empathize with him. Yeah, hundred percent. All right, guys. So that's Sunshine. We're gonna move right along into our second movie. Yeah. Well, I did want to say before we move on from Sunshine, really okay, quickly, I'm sorry. Just because I wanted to talk about Danny Boyle for a minute. Oh, all right. Um, and it's interesting, Danny Boyle, guys, is it's not a guy we've ever done one of his movies on the show. And it's because he doesn't really make action movies. No, I mean his biggest claim to fame is probably Train Spotting. Yeah, yeah, but see, that's funny you say that, right? Because yeah. that's kind of that's kind of who Danny Boyle is. You could make that argument for five of his movies. Yeah, absolutely. You could make the argument. He started his career with Train Spotting after mm-hmm. he made Shallow Grave. That was like where people knew, and then he made The Beach, which a lot of people remember. It has kind of a bad ending, but people love that The Beach. Sweet, it's a cl- it's a cult classic. Twenty eight days later, super famous. It's hard to not say that Slumdog Millionaire won Best Picture isn't actually his greatest claim to fame, right? Right. So it's like he one hundred twenty seven hours. I mean, he made some incredible movies. This movie, particularly Sunshine, it's kind of like when Christopher Nolan made Prestige between mm-hmm. the Batman movies. And it's like this movie that people who love it, love it. If you don't know about it, you just have no idea. It's the same thing with Danny Boyle. He made Millions in 2004 after making 28 Days Later in 2002. And then he won the Oscar in 2008 for Slumdog. Sunshine's 07. He kind of just snuck it in there. It didn't and, get a lot of press. all those movies have some action in them. You yeah. Know? Like even Slumdog. And I think that that is what's so great about Danny Boyle. I, if if you can make a hybrid director of Paul Thomas Anderson and uh, Zack Snyder, yeah. that would be Danny Boyle. And the reason I say that is, is because we. I don't like Zack Snyder, you don't like Zack Snyder, that's fine. Yeah. But there's one thing that you can't deny, and I think you guys agree, is that Zack Snyder 
is fantastic at painting beautiful pictures at yeah. parts of his films. It's what he's best at. So you look at Danny Boyle yeah. and you watch his films. There's always incredible cinematography yeah. and Great. shots in that, except he's also a master storyteller. His issue is he worked with this one screenwriter who I believe wrote both Sunshine, The Beach, and 28 Days Later. It's the same guy. And uh, all three of those movies have the same problem, which is that they fall apart in the final 25 minutes as like this weird action sequence that doesn't feel like it quite fits the movie. I think it's done best in 28 Days Later. I was going to say, I, I actually completely disagree with that on 28 Days Later because people have been saying that for a long time. Yeah. I think the In the House in a Heartbeat is probably the best part of the film. Per, I mean, on a personal level, that's not my favorite, but mm -hmm. I definitely think that in Sunshine on the Beach, it, it, it takes away from the movie. Yeah, the Sunshine thing is just weird. Yeah. You know? So, but anyway, guys, I recommend seeing Sunshine. It's absolutely amazing. It's it's really one of my all-timers. Um, I love that movie. I deliver the speech in our Fantasy Football League before the draft every year, and I usually play that song in the background because it's so epic, and how can you beat it? It's the best. Um, so let's move on to a comedy. Steven, if you can cue up the scene from The Other Guys. The Other Guys. The Other Guys is criminally underrated, guys. It's... Uh, for those that don't know, it's Mark Wahlberg and Will Ferrell in a buddy cop movie from, I think, 2010. Uh, and it, I feel like we could do this as an April Fool's. Yeah, because it's like it's like it's got all the cliches about like a hardcore cop movie, but right. it's like a total comedy. I think that this is the single most quoted movie of our entire friendship. It's yeah, we've seen it like fifty times or something. My wife's making her famous devil digs. <laughs> My waistline is furious. It's a bad time, Bob. It's a bad time, Bob. Uh, if you haven't seen this movie, do yourself a favor and watch it. It's I think it's the best written. It's yeah. <laughs> Oh, The Rock. This is right before The Rock blew up into like a world, like leading man superstar. Right. He was known for being a really, really good supporting role. Because the next year, he's mm -hmm. in Fast Five. Yeah, and then he did that Be Cool before this. This is before this. Like, kind of showing that he had he was funny comedy. <laughs> he's so good at this part. Cash Pop. <laughs> The cast is so good. It's so good. Biling. I'm going to say something right now. It's about a man who came from Austria with a dream. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Let me finish. He became a champion and then a movie star. Arnold Schwarzenegger. God damn it, let me finish. They ruined the story. That's my favorite line of the whole movie. Do our job to work for you guys, doing all the paperwork, answering the phone and all that stuff. Wahlberg plays like angry so well. He's so good. He's like... I need you to stop humming. But we have to all do to what you guys do. Thank you. And we do it again and again. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Shut your face. If we want to hear you talk, I will shove my arm up your ass and work your mouth like a puppet. You hear me? You hear me? Cash bar. <laughs> <laughs> It's just amazing. It's, it's, I think it's honestly... So there's a couple of things that are very interesting about this movie. The first one is that it's directed by Adam McKay. My face hurts. Yeah. <laughs> Adam McKay ended up directing The Big Short and getting an Oscar nomination for mm -hmm. it. A lot of the subjects that are covered in this, it's about the financial crisis. Yeah. It's about Ponzi schemes. And the song that plays, which is when the Levy breaks by Led Zeppelin, during the credits of this movie, and then there's like, it's basically that song plays and it explains how a Ponzi scheme works. It's the same song that plays during the fucking credits in the other guy. In, uh, uh, yeah. Big Short. Big Short, yeah. It's crazy. And it's like, the writing in this movie, I honestly think, is smarter than almost any Will Ferrell comedy ever. It well, gets funnier every time. Well, that's the thing that's, that's been happening with Will Ferrell is I think early on in his career, we were so enamored with him. He yeah. would, Anything he did was so exciting and, and, it, and it was fresh. Yep. You know, so it goes down as something being classic. Whereas, this is it. Yeah, this is when the movie breaks, yeah. Um, whereas now, the movies he does aren't as smart. Like, what it was a Get Hard, yeah. you know? It was kind of around that time that he started doing, like, Blades of Glory and Semi-Pro. Yeah. He was oversaturating the market. This is right before that still. Is it? I think it's, it, maybe it's right during. Or is it after? Is it after? I think it might be right after, but the, it, but the, the point is, is that he takes, like, a little bit of... This movie got missed, though, because of what you're talking about. Yeah. That's the thing. is like, Anchorman was the... So there's Old School and Anchorman and Step, and Step Brothers. Yeah. Right? And the Talladega Nights is in there, which is very funny. Blades yeah. of Glory and Semi-Pro aren't as well-liked. And I think when Land of the Lost and those ones started coming out is when people started to be like, all right, I'm just tired of this shtick. This came out directly after. And yeah. I think it was just kind of like, I'm just over this guy. But it's honestly funnier than every one of those movies except Step Brothers, which I would put it on par with to me. Yeah. Anchorman, I'd put it on par with, and I would put it on par with Old School. But For that's sure. just me personally. Yeah, I mean, I know that you like this movie more than I do, but I absolutely love this movie, and I was a person that fell victim to what I was talking about yeah. and what you are talking about. I didn't see it. 
Yeah. I didn't. Right. I didn't. Then I watched it once with you, and I don't know if I was tired or drunk or whatever. I just I just remember being like, okay, yeah, that's pretty, yeah. That's pretty good. It's pretty good. But I remember watching it the second time. Yeah. And every other time since, it's getting it gets better and better. And everyone and everyone's so good in it. Michael Keaton's fantastic. He almost makes the movie. You have Rob Riggle, yeah. so good. You have like it's just like don't scene, go chasing waterfalls. Yeah. Scene after scene after scene after scene. I feel like in this movie, the pacing is so good. Yeah. Um, that it's just like the whole scene was with Christina, and like. <laughs> Christina, your husband. Yeah, literally this movie is... I laugh harder at this movie than most. Top five buddy cop movies right now that we that we love. All time? Um, so you gotta go... I think you gotta throw Lethal Weapon in there. Because I love their... Yeah, I love yeah. them in one, two, three, and four. I, yeah. One, one and four. And I, I put this in my top five because I love it. Yeah, um, I put this in my top five. What am I for... I mean, it's like a... There's also like Bad Boys. Oh, yeah. Bad Boys <laughs> 1 is really sweet. Yeah. Um, what was that? What was the one uh, Blue Streak? Oh Martin yeah, Martin Lawrence. I love Blue Streak. Dude, I it was the first DVD. No, actually, Spies Like Us was yeah, the first DVD I owned. Too. Blue Streak was the second. Yeah, Blue Streak is the one where it's him and is it who is it? Norm? L- oh, Luke, Luke Wilson. Wilson. Yeah, yeah, Luke Wilson. And it's the one where he's got the diamond, the but it's like, diamond. it's like hidden in the vent of the police station. He hides it in a vent of a construction building, and it yeah. turns into a police station. Yeah, that's right. It's great. And he shows up with like the big teeth and the afro. <laughs> yeah, movie's so dumb. Um, so dumb. Do you remember the movie Nothing to Lose? Absolutely, With Tim, Tim Robbins, Robbins and Martin Lawrence. Yeah. I actually watched it like a couple weeks ago. Really? It was very good. Was it funny? It's still funny. Oh, it held up. Uh, Steven, what's your favorite buddy cop movie? Do you have one? Uh, Man, I don't know if Shanghai, if the Shanghai series Oh, would count. Shanghai Noon! Shanghai Noon, Shanghai Nights, Rush Hour. Oh, Rush Hour. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of these. But I think for me now, where I'm at in my life and, and you know what I enjoy, Other Guys is my number one. Absolutely, it, it is a hundred percent my favorite. I just I, other guys is one of those movies, guys, that I will say um, when you hear me say that about it being my favorite Will Ferrell movie, I get the same response from a hundred percent of people, which is that that's crazy. Yeah, it's not as good yeah. as those movies. I don't know what you're talking about. I, and people will say I saw it. I didn't think it was that funny. It just gets better every time, and if you watch it, really expecting it to be smarter, mm-hmm. it is smarter. It, it, you know what I think? It might the reason it might be smarter is because Will Ferrell never plays the straight man. Yeah, he hardly ever does. Yeah, and for him to be the straight as an arrow, and Wahlberg to just be off the wall. Yeah, awesome. Oh, the nice guys, man. Nice, nice guys, guys is top three. Oh for yeah, me. I was actually thinking about that um, last night. The nice yeah, guys. nice guys. Guys, go watch our nice guys episode. It is so. Good. Go watch that movie. That, that movie's great. Forty-eight hours and they're really crying, movie. laughing with that movie. Um, let's move on, guys. Let's move on to the next. And this is not going to be a single movie, but this is going to be a trilogy. And this oh. is the Fellowship of the Ring, the Two Towers, and the Return of the King. The three Lord of the Rings films that came out when we were like thirteen or something, right? Yeah. I mean, like these oh one. So like, yeah, I, we were exactly we were thirteen years old when these came out. So we're going to talk about this for a second, and then I've got a clip that I want to cue. And the reason that I want to talk first is because this is the, one of the franchises that was kind of a heartbreak for me that we couldn't do on our show. You know this is... I mean, Lord of the yeah. Rings, guys, is... It might be my favorite trilogy of all time. I think it is, actually. Over Star, over Wars. Star Wars. Over over all of them. Yeah. Literally every single one. And it's because every movie I can argue why it's the best one. Right. I really can. And there's so much good action. The acting is fantastic. And the amount of Academy Awards just goes to show. Yeah. You know? So, I want to cue Two Towers. It's the very end. This is a moment where... Helm's Deep has just happened. Right. One of the greatest action scenes, probably the best action sequence in the whole trilogy. Yeah, definitely. And it's followed by the greatest speech in the whole trilogy. Yeah. And that's from Samwise Gamgee. Yeah. It's good. I am your Sam. I am your Sam. I'm your Sam. I do love these movies so much. I mean, as the show evolves, who knows? We may be able to end up doing one of these. This would be the one, though. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's so wrong. By rights, we shouldn't even be here. And I've never seen him act like this ever again. Sean Astin? Yeah. He's very good. He's really good. But he's just like this, though. It's like in the great stories, Mr. Frugal. The ones that really mattered. And the music, the soundtrack also. For the yeah. They were. Soundtrack's really Sometimes good. Sometimes you didn't want to know the end. Because how could the end be happy? How could the world yes. go back to the way it was when so much bad happened? And like Ian McKellen, the king. Yeah. The end, oh. King Theoden? He's yeah. He has some of the greatest speeches also. Shut up. Even it, darkness must pass. It's wild to but think. The day will come. How long 
if, and when the sun shines, this came out. Shine is out it 2001, two, three? Yeah. It's like they're. Those were the stories that stayed with you. It's like they're actually meant becoming classics. Like they're not like recent movies I mean, anymore. So, they're it, becoming like actually like they look a little outdated. They're a little older, like classic movies are. They yeah. Folk in those stories had lots of chances of turning back. Only they didn't. Yeah, man. I mean, we're getting they older. They kept going. It's, yeah, it's just because happening. They were holding on to something. This is the best line right here. What are we holding on to, Sam? Gollum, dick. But there's some good in this world, Mister Furl, and it's worth fighting for. Oh, just beautiful. That's the end of it. Yep, that's the end of it. I'm telling you, at the end of Lord of the, or of Return of the King, yeah, when everyone's bowing once he finally gets crowned, Aragorn yeah. finally becomes king, and he comes up to the hobbits. You cry every time, yeah, because they start to bow, and he stops them. And he goes, yeah, friends, you bow for no one. Yeah, and then he bows. Oh, yeah, God, it's really good. When my mom was in town, uh, just like a few months ago, she, I was like, do you want to go out to dinner and see a movie? She was like, can you just cook for me and we watch Lord of the Rings movies? <laughs> I was like, all right, because my mom read the books to me as a kid. Really? Yeah, twice. She read The Hobbit to me once and Lord of the Rings once. I think when I was like four, and then <laughs> another time when you were when 18. I was like seven or something. Because <laughs> that's when it. That's how long those books are like that big. They're, yeah, but she loved those books. Uh, that was like the she loved like the C.S. Lewis books too. Line of Witch in the Wardrobe. So I, I get all those like it was my bedtime stories. Do you have a favorite of the three? Uh, it's funny, right? Because it's it's kind of the same. I think it's the same process that people go through with the Star Wars movies. Mm-hmm. It, I think when those movies came out, everybody kind of gravitates towards Empire. But if you really go back and watch them, it's like, how can you not love the first one? It's the exactly, same thing that happened to us yep. with Born. I, I loved Two Towers the most for the longest time. Same. And when I watched Return of the King recently, I was like, this is so good. Because so many of the scenes that I remember are in that movie. Yeah. But when I watched Fellowship again, like just two months, three months ago, I was again, I was just like, this is just done so well. And so much of what I remember is from this movie. And it's like what we talk or what we've talked about numerous times is I think even though Dark Knight might be my favorite and the best, yeah. I still think Batman Begins is the most important. I still think A New Hope is the most important. Yeah. I still think The Fellowship is the most important. Yeah. You know, but I still, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I still to this day cannot pick a favorite out of the three. Yeah, it's definitely a hard one. It's definitely a hard one for me. Batman Begins, you and I have always disagreed on that a little bit. Because I, yeah. I, I love Batman Begins. Like, it's really good. But for whatever reason, when I walked out of the theater with Batman Begins, I was kind of like, that was really good. And then, like, Dark Knight, it just had such a different feeling. It was like, that was yeah. a, that was an incredible film. That's something I will never forget watching. And I didn't feel that way about Batman Begins. Yeah. It's really? become more important in retrospect because the trilogy was so good. Yeah. But as a standalone movie, it was just like, that was pretty good. That was well done. I liked that. I was a Batman fan as a kid, and they, they did a good job. But I was maybe too young also because 05. Yeah, I mean, the Dark Knight affected yeah. us. You know? Right. It really did. And I... I think that that's maybe why it might not be on this show right yeah. now is because I think that we can maybe work towards getting it on AMA one day. Yeah, Dark Knight may make it. Let's <clears> let's <throat> move on to number four. We're switching genres again on you guys. We are. This is a very important one. So, guys, we had it's, it's we, not. we had a decision to make, and, and that decision was that there's a Paul Thomas Anderson film on this list that we're going to get to, uh, and one that we skipped. We didn't yeah. want to do two P.T. Anderson movies, but one of them has Tom Cruise in it. We decided we would skip the one with Cruise and just throw on arguably the greatest Cruise film of all time, which is Jerry Maguire. Jerry Maguire is Tom Cruise at his absolute cruisiest, gunning for an Oscar and getting nominated for one at his cruisiest. Yes. It's like it's like how can you imagine Tom Cruise doing his Tom Cruise shtick and getting an Oscar nomination? It's because it was 1996 and mm-hmm. the world wasn't just over it. He was like it was the prime. There's a reason Tom Cruise is like the most magnetic and like pretty much most successful financial movie star ever. And it's because like he just you watch Jerry Maguire and honestly if you don't like Tom Cruise you probably hate the movie. You should go back and watch Jerry Maguire if you've been a fan of our show though because that's what happened to me. Yeah. Cuz what happens to so many people with Jerry Maguire is it was so overly quoted when we were younger, oh, man. Yeah, yeah. You had me at Hello, I Show Me it. the Money. I hated it as a kid. I, ne- Same. I, ne- I never wanted to watch. It. I hated it for so long, but yeah. recently when we went on the 6 Degrees podcast, yeah. I went and watched it again. It's just fucking good. That's, uh, that's great. It's just it's the, everything about it, like all the things. Like Cuba winning the Oscar deserved. He was great. Like uh, 
when Secret Garden, the Bruce Springsteen song, is playing in the background when Cruz like walks in the room. Walks, yeah, and, and, and they're all there. The the, the divorced, divorced wives party. Yeah, and 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 he gives her the thing. We had our company, our little. We had a very big day today. Um, very big day today. But you know, and he's like, but it wasn't complete. It wasn't even in the vicinity of complete. And it's just so good. I it, I gotta say, man, you go go watch Jerry Maguire, guys. It's the old kid, now. Yeah, he's adorable. Renee, before you get tired of her. Yeah, like it's just everything is great. It's written so well. And Jay Moore yeah. is the ultimate shit weasel in that movie. Such a shit weasel. There's also like there's great scenes like the scenes with um, with Cruz and Cuba when they're walking and talking about like you don't shoplift the pootie, the whole single mother thing. Right. There's it's a very very well written script. Is the other thing you realize is that Cameron Crowe in the 2000s. In the '90s, I'm sorry, was mm-hmm. just at his best. Yeah. He's really, he's kind of like Wes Anderson in the way that um, the Wes Anderson has rebounded now. Yeah, he kind of came back around. But there was a, there was a solid five or six years where people were just kind of like, I wonder if this shtick is getting too old. I'm not really that into it anymore. And it happened to Cameron Crowe because he made Elizabethtown, which was kind of a flop, though I like it. Um, I love it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was kind of a flop. People didn't really like it. Um, you know, I feel like he made something else that was pretty bad. Oh, didn't he make something kind? Con- oh, Aloha. Right? Oh, is that the one with Beale? I mean, uh, Alba? Yeah, no. No, it's the, one, it's the one with Emma Stone playing an Asian uh, pilot. Oh, <laughs> that's him? Yeah. Crow had, uh, had some big misses, but in the 90s, Cameron Crowe did no. singles, he did this movie, and he did Almost Famous. And I think there's one other movie in the 90s that Crow oh, did Vanilla Sky. That's when it started to go down. I don't even think you need to do anything after Jerry Maguire and Almost Famous. As right. a writer, as a director, anything, like even as an actor. Yep. Like if you're in both those movies. You're right. It's an it's iconic. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, this is when people say, "What is your favorite Tom Cruise movie?" I'm the biggest Cruise fan I've ever met, yeah, and you are. I think there's like three or four that I could put into the conversation. Risky Business and Jerry Maguire are like usually kind of neck and neck with Magnolia, and I would say like maybe God, like at this point, like Edge of Tomorrow almost makes it. Those are like probably the four. I'm probably forgetting one that is like absolutely needs to be on the list. But yeah, I I mean I know that we would Mission Impossible three. I could never have. Jerry Maguire on AMA. Yeah. But I do think this Magnolia and, and maybe Minority Report or, yeah, or MI3. Fucking sweet. Last yeah. Samurai is so sweet. Oh, Samurai. Collateral's so good, too. Tom Cruise is so <laughs> awesome. I love that we had to throw on a movie. I wonder what movie we would. Guys, hashtag. What should well, we, what's going to happen though? We didn't we didn't say this yet, but there one one or two of these movies is going to end up on this. They show. will end up on the show based off of a bracket, based off of a poll that we'll do. We're gonna be we're gonna be having you guys vote with these movies against each other to end up with a couple on on the show. So uh, so stay tuned for that. Let's let's keep it moving. Please don't vote for Jamie McGuire on the show though. <laughs> let's keep it moving. <laughs> uh, so uh, let's get into. I I, th- I think I love this movie more than most. The Weatherman. Oh, I. Okay, so I'm going to use this as a shameless plug for myself real yeah, quick. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. You know that I was just... Oh, wait, sorry. I just I, some, Something came to mind that I wanted to point out because it was so related to what we were just talking okay, about. Okay. I didn't want to forget, and you were there for this. So, guys, um, we were talking about Cameron Crowe and Almost Famous and Tom Cruise. And when we were in oh, San Diego, yes. uh, what we did press for a show called Outcast that is on Cinemax. Uh-huh. And it's the second time that I've interviewed the cast. Andrew did half the cast this time with me. And uh, I interviewed Patrick Fugit, who's the star of Outcast. And if you guys don't know, he's the kid from Almost Famous. It took me a minute to recognize him. I straight up didn't the first time I interviewed yeah. him. I didn't realize that's who it was. And I even looked at the list, and I saw that he was in Almost Famous, and I didn't put two and two together. I, was like, I, I think, I mean, I actually probably didn't even notice. I think you told me. Right. <laughs> But I was like, I realized it before we met him the second time. So I was like, okay, I have to ask him about Tom Cruise. Um, or no, I'm sorry. I have to ask him about Almost Famous. And so we sit down with the producer, Chris Black, and I say to him, um, we're talking about our show, Action Movie Anatomy. And he's like, oh, that sounds really cool. And he's like, what kind of movies do you do? And we talked about Cruise for a minute. Yeah. And he was like, oh, you love Tom Cruise? you got to talk to Patrick. He loves Tom Cruise. He's, he's got, got an impression. great impression. And I was like, Andrew, it's happening. Cruise off on yeah. camera, me and Patrick Fugit. So we do the interview with him. And at the end of it, I was like, did you know that Almost Famous was going to kind of be what it was? And he, and he was like, I couldn't have known that Almost Famous was going to mean what it meant to people. And I was like, would you mind saying to me in Tom Cruise voice that you didn't know Almost Famous was going to be what it was? He's, like, he, he's like, what? You want me to... Uh, but he got really excited. Yeah. So, so he does his impression, and it's, it's like decent. And it, I was like, it, at first, it's not that good. Yeah. I think because he, he was so caught off guard by yeah, it. But yeah. Then you, yeah. Okay. So keep going. And so then I was like, ah, oh, you kind of did the more like you know the fun one. I was like, yeah. you gotta gotta do the intense one. And I was like, <laughs> I did mine for him, and he starts giggling like he's literally he's like so he's like, totally because he loves it. And then like, he does turn, his. Turn, yeah. And then he does his, and it's like just as good again. It's like way better. It's great. Um, I thought it was pretty funny. If you guys want to find that, it's it exists on uh, YouTube. Uh, if you just look up, probably. 
ben Popcorn Bateman, Talk, yeah. Patrick Fugit, I would think. Yeah, yeah, you can find here. it. Uh, but it's pretty hilarious. If you guys like Tom Cruise, I think you'll get a laugh out of it. So moving on to the weatherman. Shameless self-plug. Go Shameless self-plug. So uh, Netflix is doing a lot of like these new small shows, and they had me on it as a guest for one called Binge Club. Yeah. It, was, it was called Binge Club, Nick Cage by Hair. Yeah. And it's three movies in a row, and one of them was The Weatherman, which I hadn't seen in a long time. Yeah. Uh, this movie is so good. Yeah. And him and Michael Caine, their scenes together... Heartbreaking. Are, they're heartbreaking. They're incredible. They're real. And and this is... Look, Nick Cage is a, is a phenomenal actor. Yeah. I don't care what anyone says. I don't care how bad his career has gotten. Yep. He is excellent in this film. It's fantastic. Just like he is in Leaving Las Vegas. Yeah, this movie... I can't remember who the writer is, but it's directed by Gore Verbinski. And it suffered from a couple things. 2006... I believe it's 2006. The, the Family Man, I think, is 01, maybe. Mm. 01, 02, something like that. Maybe it's, it's 2000, even. Is that Ter- uh, Tay Leone? Yeah. Uh, I loved her. I love The Family Man. That movie's really yeah, good. Yeah, it's good. It's, it's very, heartbreaking. Yeah, it's a really good movie. Um, and The Family Man was well-liked by a lot of people. When The Weatherman came out, it was like a few years later, and I think there was a little bit of just like... The trailer was trying really hard to make this kind of like a screwball, kind of black comedy a little bit, but it, it didn't seem anywhere near as dark or interesting as it, it was like leaning two hordes of two towards trying to be like a like a quirky one, like a yeah. Royal Tenenbaums or something like totally. that. Totally. It was yeah. it was leaning heavily on the quirk and it, people missed it. I missed it. Yeah. Um, I ended up seeing it in like two thousand eight or two thousand nine probably, and it's hilarious. It's laugh out loud funny. <laughs> the script is really touching in a lot of moments. It's got this quality to it. Nick Cage in this movie plays this like really lovable dumb character mm-hmm. um, that he doesn't get to play in movies all that often it's like they want you to be painfully aware of how kind of just like stupid of a character he is but he thinks he's really smart yeah I, I always say that I think Nick Cage is at his best when his character is at his worst yeah if that makes sense yeah 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 that's like, great he is so good when he is self-deprecating when he's down on his luck I mean lost, leaving Las Vegas raising Arizona Family Man. Yeah. They're all movies where he's just kind of a piece of shit. Yeah, and he kind of is in this movie. He is. It's got, it's got funny scene after funny scene. There's there's just some great moments of him standing up for his family. Mm-hmm. The scenes with he and his father, with Michael Caine, are great. There's a great quote where um, he's in the car with Michael Caine, because the movie, the, very, very early in the movie, you find out that Michael Caine has cancer. That's like one of the mm-hmm. things that drives the whole plot of the movie. Are you talking about the, uh, the like, a rock speech in the car after that? It's when he's telling him in the car. Right. And, uh, Big, ba- I mean, I'm not. Long story short, he tries to play a song from something goes wrong, and in the car they're having this scene towards the end where Michael Caine's asking him what he meant by playing the song for him. <laughs> what did you mean when you yeah. said that I was like a rock? And he's like trying to explain it, but he doesn't do a very good job. And at this point, Nick Cage in the movie is so beaten down. But uh, Caine has this great line where he says, "It doesn't matter how old you get, you never stop worrying about your children." Yeah, and that's like it's lines like that that make movies like this so good because there's the funny moments and there's the He's a really fucking dark character. Like like Nick yeah. Cage, he's like he ha- he lives like a pretty dark and, and like kind of just sad, sad and, and pointless existence. And I think you're so right when you say he's dumb because that doesn't happen a lot with his characters. They're not actually dumb. No. They just have given up or don't care or, or, or he is he's he's pretty unaware of himself in this movie. Yeah. And he's so good at it. Uh it's it, I don't know, there's something beautiful about watching him be that guy cuz you you kind of love to hate him and you kind of hate to love him. He's like a clueless douchebag. It's great. Yeah. It's fucking great. Like this movie, this movie. Clueless douchebag. It's, it's amazing with the amount of movies you think you've seen in your life. I, I, I was thinking about this. Like if I really was going to list how many movies I've actually watched in my life, mm-hmm. it feels like thousands, but I'll bet you it's less than a thousand movies. Yeah. Probably. Like a thousand movies is so many. So if I really had to think about ranking every movie I've ever actually seen in my life, I mean, maybe it's over a thousand with TV. I think Weatherman's like a top hundred movie for me. Yeah. Like I just love it. And it's absolutely a movie. If I was like, if I have to see every Nick Cage movie, I've never seen one movie. Which one should I see? Absolutely, yeah. this would be in that list. Yeah, yeah, totally. So moving on, guys. These to are the, the next final one. two, final three, final three. three. Okay, three more. Um, so this is a movie I saw in theaters. Did you see this in theaters? Oh, uh, you don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. Um, <laughs> the Truman Show. Peter Weir. Uh, Nineteen ninety-six. Six. I just look it up. Watch this. Uh, so I was just home for my niece's wedding. Yeah. And um, my nephews and my nieces are all getting. I've been an uncle since I was five. I'm 28, so that means the oldest one's 23, but the youngest one's 14. 98. So they're all old enough to where they're starting to watch better movies. Not yeah. movies like because I've been watching Lord of the Rings with them for years, but like they don't get movies like Truman Show or they didn't get movies like Truman Show. Yeah. So I was just there. And uh, we were all kind of tired, and it was—I think it was the day after the wedding—and we were just sitting around. But everyone was about to go to sleep. 
and uh, they were trying to pick a movie to turn. I was like, ah, well, let's just let's just turn this on real quick. It's a fun movie to have on in the background. We can talk over it. Yeah. We shut our mouths and sat there for two hours and watched every minute of that movie. Truman Show. Truman Show. So Truman Show's got some really interesting things going on. Um, stories to tell. First of all, I saw Truman Show in theaters with my older brother mm-hmm. uh, in 1998. I was 10. He's nine years older. He was just he just shit talked it the whole time after. My brother's <laughs> like he's just like loves to hate on movies. He does. David loves yeah. to do that. So um, I thought it wasn't as good as it was because when you're 10 and your older brother does that, you think that he's right. Okay, yeah, you're right. Yeah, <laughs> but years later when I watched it again and I watched it a lot of times, I had it on a VHS. I, it turns out this movie is just great. It, it does a lot of things that are really interesting. 1998 was kind of right before the boom of reality television. Mm-hmm. So it's weird. At the time, it seemed like this very innovative idea. You remember Ed TV? Yeah. Matthew McConaughey. It was uh, Harrelson, right? Yeah, Woody Harrelson and Matthew McConaughey. Mm-hmm. Within like a year of this movie. Yeah. And it's kind of the same concept. It's the idea that if there's a camera and it's watching you in your life, are people entertained by it? Turns out it's totally they are because that's what life in television is that's now. That's all it is now. Um, the cast is great. Jim Carrey and turns in. I think he's not actually the best part of the movie. He's very Jim Carrey. He's good, but he's the other very, actors. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I think that's why Truman is so fun to watch. Yeah, is because he's this weird guy. Like, yeah. Imagine if you got to watch Jim Carrey exist all the time at like a, a six instead of at a ten. You know what I mean? Because because he, he has toned down every man a little more. Yeah. But the other performances by his wife and his best friend. But honestly, dude. I'm gonna I'm gonna do it again. Ed Harris. Ed Harris. Yeah. He got the Austrian as Kristoff. Like at the end, it's it's touching. The it's scene when he's in the boat and yeah. he's talking to him on and the... he's trying to kill him and yeah. get by the water and the ocean, and all that. Yeah, yeah. There's this movie. It's another one, guys. That if you've never watched it, you can't walk out of this movie and not just feel like you just love it. It's got so so. Uh, Noah Emmerich is his best friend. Mm-hmm. He's great. It's it's the best he's... thing I've ever seen Noah Emmerich in. Yeah, uh, he's great. He's actually really good in The Americans. The show. I mean, but... he's a great actor, but this yeah. he, his performance in this is is perfect. Laura Linney is great. She's yep. His wife, um, Natasha McElhone from Ronan, we just yep. did last week on the show. She's in it. She's got a small role, and then Ed Harris, who really does steal the show, I believe. In the 90s, he got a few Oscar nominations, and this was one of them, um, a supporting actor nomination for this. His role is that essentially Truman has been raised to live in this world that this small world that he thinks is this like little town, mm-hmm. but actually everybody's an actor. It's a job for everybody, and he's the only one unaware of what's going on. Kristoff is the director. He's kind of like he's Truman's creator, father. creator, director. Yeah, he, he's like essentially, yeah, like you said, his father because Truman was bought by a TV network. Yeah. And he's his dad, essentially. So he's sort of the director that watches, and, and um, it's great, guys. The Truman Show... Steven, have you seen The Truman Show? For sure. Yeah. Such what, a good movie. One of my favorites growing up. Peter Weir is the director. He's an Australian director, and he's a bit old now. I don't think he's... He, is he alive still? I'm not actually sure. The, may, the, the painted wall scene... Yeah. At one of the end, uh, near the end of the movie... Yeah. ...by the ocean is one yeah. of the most memorable scenes of cinematography when, I've ever seen. When he runs into it. Yeah. yeah you're, you're just like, like oh whoa. my god. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. Because so, they, they do such a good job of making that little world so big, but yeah. also so tiny. And you're like, how have you not left? Um, Peter Weir had this incredible career. Gallipoli is an early one that he mm-hmm. directed. Um, has Mel Gibson, a really young Mel Gibson. He did... Uh, he did Witness, is him. Mm, he yeah. did The Mosquito Coast, The Year of Living Dangerously. He ended up doing Fearless. He did Master and Commander. He <laughs> did, uh, he's got like at least a couple other really famous ones, but Weir just had uh, just this awesome career. And this is this is one of my favorites that he ever directed. So. I also think, because the other movie that we were going to do, guys, or at least that I nominated, had uh, we not already done the other guys, was um, Stranger Than Fiction. Yeah, for me, and and I don't know if you like it as much as I do, but there's something about when these guys that are so known for being these just incre- infuriatingly talented comedic actors, yeah, when you make them do a drama and they're on their game, Jim Carrey in this, uh, I don't think he's quite as good in the Majestic, but Jim Carrey in this, Eternal Sunshine's the one, Eternal Sunshine, yeah, and then you talk about uh, Will Ferrell and Stranger Than Fiction, it's great, yeah, it's so good. I never saw the one where he played like the this alcoholic. Everything like, must go. Yeah. Really good. He's really good in that, I've heard, He's though. Solid. He's very solid. So that's another thing, guys, is like you, you see someone that you've watched do one thing for their entire career, go watch them do this. They're excellent at it. So we're going to move on to the final two, guys. And these, these are, are huge. Two of our favorite movies ever. These are both. So on this list here, uh, these both of these two movies are on my top ten favorite movies of all time. Yeah. It's possible Jerry makes it, but I don't think. I think that these two 100% do. They're definitely my top five, yeah. both of them. I think Shawshank for me is like three or four, which so is our next movie. Yeah, so Shawshank Redemption, man. Yeah. Do you remember what you felt like the very first time that you realized what happened? How he got away? 
No, but I do remember coming around on this movie. So we're the same age, and mm-hmm. and uh, talking about film in like the mid early early two thousands, like in those years. This movie had only been around for less than a decade at that point. Mm-hmm. This movie came out in 1994. This, as an Oscar nominee for Best Picture, went up against both Pulp Fiction and Forrest Gump. Like, talk about a stacked, stacked five. Crazy year. Um, this movie has, like, if you look on IMDb's top 100, I think this movie is, like, top three No, or it's two. number one. Oh, it's, it's, it's now? It's been number one forever. Okay, I thought yeah. Godfather was. So, Shosh- that's probably what I was thinking of, is that Shawshank Redemption was that movie where, you know, when I looked at that list, I was like, that's crazy. I feel like people don't talk about this movie like it's one of the three best movies ever made. No. Uh, but anyone that's, I guess, maybe like 25 plus, the if you sw- say anything to him about Shawshank, everyone's like, it's this. there's not one person that doesn't like Shawshank. But it's also referred to by snobs as maybe the most overrated movie of all time. I just don't get that. Neither do I. I'm just saying it's weird when a movie is, touches you so much, because there's no one that doesn't love this movie. No. I mean, at least the people that aren't that those snobs. I know, yeah. This is like the most satisfying movie to watch ever made. It's- it is. I think that is the best way to put it. If we had to have a thesis sentence yeah. for Shawshank, it would be the most satisfying movie ever made. I take all my bribes and pie boxes now. Yeah, yeah right? <laughs> it's just, it's simple. Like, I took a screenwriting class in high school, and our teacher used the tr- the uh, he used the format of this movie to explain to us like what good screenwriting is basic storytelling how to move a scene mm-hmm. stuff like that act one act two act three the importance of it it's just fucking brilliant it's, it's perfect yeah it's got it's got incredible performances by tim robbins the voiceover by morgan freeman i would say is the barometer for good voiceover in movies period yeah it's the most famous voiceover ever i think i think you might be right i think it is and i also his voiceover is is better than his performance yeah it as the act like i know that's like a weird thing yeah. to kind of separate but it's not saying that there's anything wrong with Red. Red is fantastic. Yeah. But his voiceover and the way it carries the film and moves it and, and the amount of heartbreaking scenes in it and how much you hate the two bad guys. Yeah. You know how I feel about having a great villain. Yeah, they're both great. They're both excellent. It's a little black and white sometimes when you watch it. I think as I've gotten older and I've watched it, they feel a little kind of sort of almost cartoonish how evil they are. Yeah, it's weird. It, we've, it's, it's odd how we've kind of evolved as a society into wanting to like our villains a little bit. Yeah. We kind of need that. I mean, I know we've always been that way. Yeah. But it, you don't get as many villains in great films yeah. that are this one-dimensional. It's also funny because I remember a lot of the opinions that I would hear about this movie not being so good. It was like when I was in high school and I would talk to the guys at the video store. Mm-hmm. Looking back, they seemed like grown men, adults. Looking back, they're probably like 24 and they had like seen the Shawshank Redemption. They were just snobs. Like, yeah. The same way that people, same way that, like there are beer snobs, and you're like, shut up. Like it, w- yeah. It's just, it's good or it's bad. But you don't have to like smack talk the greatest because like everyone likes it. Yeah. It's like Shawshank just is what it is. I mean, you and I know an extraordinary amount about craft beer. Yeah. But we still will <laughs> never talk to someone like the way that those snobs no. do. No. Same never. way about movies. Yeah. I just, I think if you were gonna pick out like the most, the most memorable thing about this movie. I think it is Morgan Freeman's voiceover. Um, I, Suds on the Roof is... That's a great scene. Is the, that, the voiceover. And then I think, honestly, him crawling through the tunnel and getting out into the and falling into the water. Yeah, that the sequence, the, the getaway, is like pretty is pretty memorable as well. I still cheered. Yeah. Like, when I watched it like a month ago, I was like, oh, yeah. yes, dude. I, there's something to be said for movies that if they're on cable, you'll never turn them off. Yep. Um, I, I don't know how many movies there are like that where if it comes on, you're just, you're hooked. This movie's this is, dangerous because it's so long. Yeah. Too, and it's, it just hooks you immediately. Yeah. This movie's great. Uh, the supporting cast is great. I mean, uh, I, I <laughs> what, can you, what more can you say about Shawshank Redemption? If you guys haven't seen Shawshank Redemption. I just don't understand. If for some reason you missed that movie. I would say that if we ever were to do it, that is the thing. This is the most satisfying movie ever made. Out of every movie we've talked about on the list so far, that is the one that you need to see right now if you haven't seen it yet. And moving on to and the last movie on, on our to list. the last film. Maybe the most discussed movie between the two of us. While I think The Other Guys is the most quoted, I think we've talked about Boogie Nights more we, than any movie ever. We talk about Boogie Nights like it's our Bible. We talk about it on like a daily basis. And I don't even know what we talk about anymore about it. It's just every character is incredible. I think if I had to make a thesis statement for this movie, every single person in it gives top three performances of their career. Yeah. And I I think the only reason I say top three is just because of Philip Seymour Hoffman and William H. Macy. Yeah, right. Can you... PSH, that's a hard one. Though, honestly, I think you're right. I I think you could come up with... You could come up with five or six that you could probably make the argument for. Yeah. But I could pretty much... I could argue Scotty J hard. Absolutely. Yeah. Thomas Jane, 
yeah. as well. Like he's never been that. I mean, Thomas Jane is is a, is a good actor. Yeah, Act, good actor. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's not fantastic in my mind. Yeah, but I I do love him. Um, in this film, he is incredible. Boogie Nights is uh, Paul Thomas Anderson's second film. So he did a movie called Heart Eight, also titled yeah. Sydney, that was in the mid '90s. I think like 1994, maybe. Didn't he write this movie between like 18 and 20 something? Yeah. So there's a there's a short that he made called The Dirk Diggler Story. Yes. That, and I think he made it in film school, um, if not film school, it was around those years. And he tried to get that movie made. He ended up making Heart Eight. That movie got kind of taken from him by the studio and edited in a way that he wasn't happy with. If you guys haven't seen Heart Eight, it's actually kind of a funny movie. It's it's, it's interesting. Yeah. Well, it's got Sam Jackson. John C. Riley, mm-hmm. Gwyneth Paltrow, Philip Baker Hall, um, Philip Seymour Hoffman has a small role. It's got like a crazy stacked cast of 90s actors. All of his movies have just... Yeah. And then this is his next movie. And it's funny because Magnolia and There Will Be Blood are both so good. But I would still say that Boogie Nights is his masterpiece. Even though There Will Be Blood is more like highly regarded as, mm-hmm. a, I think, like a famous, important movie. Well, one thing that people complain a lot about Paul Thomas Anderson is that his stories don't really end. They don't make a lot of sense. They're definitely not linear, and it's hard to follow for a lot of people. Yeah. And Boogie Nights, of the films that are the most like that, is the most linear. It's the easiest to follow, whereas There Will Be Blood is just a classic. It's just like a classic drama. Yeah. You know, there's no weird different cut stories that all come together or anything it's just one man's story yep and his ability to direct an ensemble cast and shoot it even to the scene the first scene that that Mark Wahlberg does when he goes on set for his very first time yeah and Scotty J is walking with him or not Scotty J uh, Philip C yeah, oh, yeah. Scotty is J. walking with him uh through the hall, like all awkwardly and like yeah. chewing on the pen, like it really sucks. I, I, I like her name a lot. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> we're a fucking idiot. We're yeah. a fucking idiot. All right, so uh, we're gonna cue up this scene, and this is a little bit of a longer scene. So while this scene is playing, we're gonna also talk about how we're gonna narrow it down to this to yeah, the two on this list here. Yeah. So guys, this is this is the drug deal gone bad scene. I think <laughs> this. I think this scene's probably shown in more film schools than than I can even care to imagine. Yeah. The, the music is another character in it, and Alfred Molina is just... I, I don't think I've ever seen him do anything better, and he's an incredible actor. Yeah, Molina's so good. It's The scene's just set up so well. The way it... it the, the, everything about the it. The tension. Now, there is... I never looked into it, but somebody I knew once told me that actually... This scene is uh, is lifted like frame for frame from another movie, um, really? which wouldn't surprise me considering like the guys like P.T. Anderson and yeah, they, and, they, and Tarantino they, they kind of do that. Uh-huh. Um, though it's not something I've heard a lot of times, so I'm not sure if it's actually the case. So my friends in college tried to get me to watch this movie with them a lot. Yeah. I didn't see this movie until my so- junior year of college. Uh, his stares, man. That. Mark Wahlberg when he just kind of stares off yeah. in the movie is just that's honestly I think the best part of his performance is just his stares it's so crazy I don't even know why yeah um, I'd seen this scene about 10 times before I'd watched the movie oh really because my friend showed it to me once and I just watched it over and over yeah. and over hey, look at that man yeah, I can, the glare is a little bad here. You can barely see it, but I've seen this movie enough times. So. Uh, it's just, it's just gone. It's just, yeah. It's just like, what has my life become? What am I doing here? Thomas Jane, John C. Riley, and seeing John C. The fact that he, he's so diverse. Yeah. And he's so good. Oh yeah. All right, so a poll, you think? Oh, how to do it. So what we're going to do with these eight films is we're going to bracket these guys. We're going to decide what we think are the best matchups between these eight movies. Uh, we will post. The full four matchups to start. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to decide if we should do it in the course of a week or if we should give, do it over a couple weeks. Um, I think we should do it over the course of a couple weeks. Yeah, so we'll yeah. probably do round one like this week. We'll maybe talk about it. I guess. I guess we'll you know we'll introduce it on this episode. That's fine. Mm-hmm. We'll uh, we'll queue up the the uh, the four matchups to start things off. And uh, next week we'll post the next one. The following week we'll do the finals. I don't know if we'll do both movies in the finals. Yeah, it depends on which two they are. Because if it's something that just seems ridiculous, and as fans, you guys are just like, why am I watching yeah. a review on AMA about the weatherman? Yeah. It seems, but uh, we'll see. If it wins, it wins. If it I wins, mean, it wins. If it gets yeah. first place, then it wins. Yeah, right. Yeah. Which I don't think will happen. No. I'm pretty much positive I know what's going to win. 
it's going to be one of the final two movies. It's got to be. Yeah, I would think. And we should and we should make sure that we put them in separate brackets. Absolutely. And gosh, sunshine, guys, sunshine. Yeah, sunshine. These movies are all, would all be so much fun to do on the show. Um, anyway, guys, I, that's. What's, there's so much more to say about Boogie Nights. There's it's, so much more to say about all these films, but I mean, we've already talked for an hour about about them. Yeah, I mean, Boogie Nights and Magnolia, which is we didn't list it, but they're they're the movies that he made back to back, and they're they're very similar in the sense that they're these huge ensemble pieces, a lot of the same actors, both Los Angeles. In some ways, I love Magnolia more. I've seen both movies so many yeah. times that like I have my moments with both of them. Magnolia has maybe the best cruise performance ever. Uh, Magnolia has John C. Riley in an amazing performance. It has Philip, Philip Seymour Hoffman in an amazing so performance. Um, Burt Reynolds got the Oscar nod for Boogie Nights. For Boogie Nights, and he was furious. Yeah. at the end of production, saying that this is this is bullshit. My character, this is, this is horrible. I don't want to be a part of this film. Yeah, in, the whole time he was a complete yeah asshole. Yeah, and thought it was just the worst thing ever. Yep. And then he gets his Oscar nod. And Cruz got the Oscar nod for Magnolia. So yeah. those were those are like the big those are the big like sort of centerpiece and things Cruise, that sold the movies plays so opposite himself in that film. It's weird. Yeah, he's he it's one of the only times you get to see Cruz be a truly ugly character. Like a really ugly, not just physically, but like an awful guy. Yeah. Total piece of shit. Like no redeeming qualities. Yeah. And even the scene at the end, I think the reason that it's so even even remotely redeeming is just because of how excellent the performance is. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. It's a it's a really good movie in Magnolia, but uh Boogie Nights is unbelievable. I mean, guys, if if there's one of these movies you haven't seen, Go watch them. The eight again, in case you tuned in late or uh, zoned out, are Sunshine, The Other Guys, The Lord of the Rings trilogy, Jerry Maguire, The Weatherman, The Truman Show, The Shawshank Redemption, and Boogie Nights. Nights. With a uh, honorable mention to Magnolia, <laughs> and uh, we're gonna put up those eight on a on a thing to for you guys to vote on and see what happens. And uh, thanks for tuning in, guys. I hope you enjoyed the show. Let us know if you like us to do kind of yes. these like, different style episodes sometimes that have a little bit more, uh, I don't know, diversity than just the single film in-depth analysis. Uh, you can find me if you want to tweet at me at Ben Bateman Media. And you can find me at Andrew Guy. And like you said, this is this one was like a little more out there than probably the other ones we've discussed because we've yeah. discussed like top 10 headshots, top 10, uh, top 10 revenge moments yeah. or revenge kills or like you said, a heist episode. Ranking the, the at this point, 70 movies we've done on the show, like doing a full full-on breakdown consensus list of the of the best in order 70 on the show that we'd have to agree on we'd have to agree on the list so that's yeah. an idea maybe we'll wait till we get to 100 for that or something yeah that'd be sweet um but uh that's what we are doing guys so uh that, that wraps it up if you want to find the podcast itself find us at twitter at ama podcast and let us know your thoughts follow along and uh and obviously vote on the poll so thanks Stephen lemieux for for engineering the episode we'll see you guys soon see you next week We would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals.